Come, Holy Spirit. We give you permission to do, Lord, whatever it is you desire to do. We ask that you would make our minds and our hearts and our souls fertile soil, that your word may bear rich and abundant fruit in our life. Lord, illuminate this great feast for us in these scriptures. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In this great feast of the Holy Family, the church invites us to receive the, the truth and the, the grace that when God chose to enter into our lives, when he chose to take on our very nature, he chose, and this is key, right? He chose to do so in the midst of a family. But he could have done it however he desired. He could have done it however he wanted. But he chose to enter into a family, to live a family life. We know the first 30 years of Jesus' life, we don't know much about it. We have this this episode when he was 12 years old, but other than that, we don't know a whole lot. The hidden years of just living in and with his family and in his community. And so in this way, Jesus sanctifies the family, right? He redeems the family. He lifts it up and makes it holy. And we're celebrating the feast of the Holy Family, of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And the church reminds us and calls us to live as holy families on this feast. And you might be thinking, well, Father, do you know my family? Have you met anybody in my family? There's no holiness going on anywhere there, right? So what does it mean to have a holy family? What does it mean to be holy? And that simple thing to be holy, it can be that it is our transformation and deeper configuration to Jesus himself. And that's ultimately what holiness is. That we become more and more like Christ. So St. Paul summarized it in his own life because he cooperated with God's grace. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this is, this is the key, the fruit of that. I have a friend who, who knows this, this priest. He's an older man and he's I have only met him briefly. He lives in another state. But anybody who knows him is like, okay, well, I mean, this guy's goofy, right? But he's holy. Man is a holy man. And so he asked this priest's best friend, who was another priest, he's like, what, like, how is it that Father John, like, he just, he's anointed. Like, what's the deal? And so the, this other priest says, and both of these priests are like in their 80s, uh, he says, you know, very simply, he said, very matter of fact, there's not much John left. It's mostly Jesus. There's not much John left. It's mostly Jesus. The fruit of what St. Paul is saying, right, is no longer I who lives, no longer John who lives, but Christ who lives in him. And this is God's desire for all of us, individually in a unique way. And to be holy then, Mother Teresa, she kind of helps summarize it for us, right? She says, to learn to love is to learn to be holy. I mean, as we grow in love, 
in loving like Christ's love, then we grow in holiness. We are configured to him. So when we learn to love, we learn to be holy. Now, this process, right, this transformation, this configuration more to Christ, we can't do that on our own. We can strive all day long, every day of our life, and do every good work we could ever think of, and we can't do it. It is by God's grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. But we also can't just sit around and do nothing. You know, there's these two extremes, trying to do it by myself, Pelagianism, just thinking I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to wake up and the Lord's going to, you know, I'm going to be holy on the backside of it, right? It's going to be great. Quietism, no. In the middle is the truth that God is the one who sanctifies, but we must willfully cooperate with him through faith, through participation in the sacraments, through living virtuous lives. And as we do that, then there's a transformation that takes place. It's slow, it's messy, but it's beautiful and powerful. Now, where does this happen? This happens in the midst of our daily life. But there's a, a particular place. The church says that the family is a school of love. You can say really any community that there's a commitment to each other is a school of love. You know, in the family, in these communities, that there's opportunities, consistent opportunities for us to grow in loving each other in dying to the selfishness within us and giving ourselves to and for the other person. St. John of the Cross, one of the great saints of the church, he used to tell the monks that would be entering into his monastery or other Carmelite monasteries near them, he would have this, this quote that, that he would tell them, and uh, I want to read it to you. Now, we could take out wherever it says monastery in here, we could put family, we could put community, any, any group of people that we're a part of. He says, brothers, engrave this on your heart. And it is that you have not come to this monastery, you have not come to this family for any other reason than to be worked and tried in virtue. You are like the stone that must be chiseled and fashioned before being set in the building. Thus, you should understand that those who are in this monastery, this family, this community, are craftsmen placed there by God to mortify you by working and chiseling at you. Some will chisel with words, telling you what you would rather not hear. Others by deed, doing against you what you would rather not endure. Others by their temperament, being in their person and in their actions a bother and annoyance to you? I mean, do you have any people like that in your family? Right? No, right? Maybe it's you. I don't know, right? It's all of us, right? Just this, as we're thinking about these people in our life that are those people, just remember that you're that person to somebody else too, right? All of us are. And so he says, either by their thoughts, they're neither esteeming nor feeling love for you, you ought to suffer these mortifications and annoyances with inner patience, being silent for love of God and understanding that you did not enter this monastery, this family, or this community for any other reason than for others to work on you this way so that you would become worthy of heaven, right? so that we would grow in love, that we would grow 
in sanctity. If this was not your reason for entering, then you should not have done so, but should have remained in the world to seek your comfort, your honor, your reputation, and ease. How many times we're in a family, we're in a community, and we think, okay, like, if this person wasn't here, or at least if they were different, then I could be a lot better. It's their fault, right? And they would stop being so annoying, then I would be just a much better person. What St. John of the Cross is saying to us is, no, here are opportunities for us to grow in love. Instead of that person being the problem, that person is the chisel that God wants to use to chip away at what is not of God in us. That we would be more patient and more kind and more loving. So it is, it is a gift that they are present. Now, of course, this is within reason, right? Abuse and all of these things are, are outside of the spectrum of what we're just talking about, normal family or community life. We're in an abusive situation. You need to get out of there, um, something that's, that's not healthy. But we take this understanding that, right, the family as a school of love, that ultimately if my call, if your call is to be a saint, to be configured more to Christ than the folks that rub up against us and that we're put in this, this is a grace. Because it's allowing us this ability. Now, St. John of the Cross can say, right, you can leave. Like we can run away from difficulty the rest of our life. And then what? Like will you ever really be happy? just running around trying to seek to be comfortable and avoiding any significant relationships in your life? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But we need, we need because of our brokenness, because of our sin to be chiseled, right? St. Paul, when he writes his letter to the Corinthians, he speaks about love and <clears throat> this is often heard at weddings and it's really good. Right? It sounds beautiful and romantic, but when we think about it, Let's read what St. Paul says. It's, it's serious business. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interest. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Notice St. Paul doesn't say love is warm and fuzzy and cute and it's always romantic everywhere you go all the time. I mean, it's, it's true, right? At times love is fuzzy and cute and all those things and romantic. But many times it is this, and this is the heart of it. To love as Christ has called us to love. To be patient, to be kind, takes an act of the will. I need to choose it. And I, don't, I don't have to be patient if you're not bothering me. If you're bothering me, it's when I have to be patient. And I have to, like, my emotions are like, I want to either leave or kick you in the face. Let's be honest, right, right, right? But I'm choosing to love. 
And in cooperating with God's grace and choosing to love, I'm being chiseled both by the person who is in, in front of me, who's an instrument of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit himself, configuring me more to Jesus. You know, that, that cute thing in St. Paul, it says in Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Many people quote that, but they, they forget to quote the line right before it. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He has been chiseled away. What was just St. Paul, or we could say Paul, Saul, right? And it had nothing to do with saintliness. And that, in that chiseling, in that dying, who's configured more to Jesus. So in our family life, this is a school of love. In the communities we're in, this is a school of love. An opportunity to grow in sanctity, become holy. As we learn to love, Mother Teresa says, we learn to be holy. As we love more, we become holier. I, I have kind of made the joke. I said, well, like the person in our office, right, and that staff, like, you know, maybe I'm that guy. Maybe I'm the guy. Like, I'm here to make you holy, right? I'm just bumping into everybody. All those things, maybe, maybe all of us are that person somewhere. But today, let us make a renewed effort to believe. They got us place this in these communities and in these families, again, within reason, to be formed in a school of love. And we may become more like Christ. So that as we go into the world, they may see him in us and through us because we've cooperated with those whom the Lord has put in our life. Let us pray through the intercession of the Holy Family that we too will become holy step by step in the messiness of our family and community lives, cooperating with the Lord in the school of love, being configured more and more to Christ so that we can say with St. Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been chiseled with Christ. So that there, therefore, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me.